International. It's Jasmine. Welcome back to Extra Salty. Hello, hello. hello. Once again, of course, yeah. I'm joined by my co-host. Give Ka- you say hello. It's Kai Krabs. And today we have a special guest uh, with us, Brandon Martin. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> and also, like you know. Anyways, I didn't want to <laughs> cut you off, Kai, because you were talking about your move, and that's actually kind of why I wanted to talk to Brandon today. So, tell me a little bit about why you moved to Austin, Kai, and then. We're kind of all kind of connect on to, on moving and things like that. Oh my god, the reason that I moved is so fucking stupid. Like, no, that's yeah, great. Yeah, it one hundred percent. You start. You started to say no. One hundred percent. Can't is. be stupid. Ex lover. Uh, so I was living with somebody while I was in North Carolina because right after I graduated college, I moved to North Carolina for a boy because I make smart choices. Was he gonna marry you though? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, maybe, but he, <laughs> it was like one of those, like we had been like long distance for a while. Then once we were in the same place, like it was just like, okay, so we climbed the mountain and now it's just like the, the feeling of this might not work out, like kind of dissipated. So mm-hmm. then it just became to like, well, you're here now. So whatever, like, and it just kind of fizzled mm-hmm. out on both sides. So then I kind of like slummed my way back across like South North South Carolina, Georgia, and until eventually I got back to Louisiana and I was like, I'm not staying in my hometown. My, mm-hmm. my hometown is awful. Uh, so I was making a list of places that I potentially wanted to move. And I didn't, I literally like left North Carolina with enough stuff to fit in my car and that was it. So like I could just take my shit and go wherever I wanted to go next. Like after I figured my shit out. And uh, I had a friend who I had met online. Uh, her name is Emma. And she was just like, move to Austin. And I was like, okay. And so <laughs> then I did. That's literally it. That's literally it. Because it was Not recommended? Stupid. Yeah. She was, I like, and then she was like, move to Austin. I Googled a couple things about Austin. Everyone was like, it's exactly as great as everyone says it is. And so then I was like, okay, cool. See you there. <laughs> that is not a stupid reason to move. That's not the stupidest reason. I think it's a lovely reason. I'm if, the, because someone told me to. Well, if you trust them enough, <laughs> you know what I mean. Brandon like, actually convinced me to move to Austin. Is the funny thing. Remember I, when I, I was, was the one? You were the you were the like the one to push me over because it was. Remember last year when I was in out of bounds and you mm-hmm. and I like went to. Remember I lost my license. Is that so, when we went to Hop Daddy? It's when we went to Hop Daddy. You, you want to go to- full circle? I ate there like an hour ago. Did you really? Yep. Wow. <laughs> World Not the just- same location, but you know, <laughs> same chain. Um, but it was funny. You were like, no, it's a great place to be. And everyone I meet from LA who comes here says, man, I wish I lived here. And I was mm. like, well, I'm not ready to move to LA. And I think I've had enough of Dallas. I'm moving to Austin. And then that kind of made the decision for me when my friend Rachel had a um, a place to live. But it's just kind of funny because I feel like I'm the worst Austinite. Like so much about what people enjoy here are my least favorite things. Um, yeah. What? Friendliness, niceness, politeness. Whiteness. Oh, yeah. That's a nice. <laughs> Eating outdoors. 
dogs wheat. what about just dogs, eating out though wheat i love I, so much i love i love eating out but i don't like eating outdoors and everyone's just like yeah. you don't want to sit on the patio no Fuck it's no. 103 air conditioning all day <laughs> in the sun in the summer it does kind of fucking suck <laughs> yeah <laughs> but people still want so to hot. and then you're, you feel like the crazy person for saying in no. jeans they're doing it in jeans this austin blog decided to feature me today uh austin austin tx and o and they were like looking for like the woman crush window. And one of their questions was, what's your favorite thing to do on an autumn day in Austin? And I was like, um, mm. the same things I do any day in Austin. Eat Not brunch. sweat. <laughs> like, that's about it. I felt bad. Like I didn't have a good Austin answer. But I'm enjoying being here because the people make the place for me. And I've yeah. enjoyed the people a lot. So. I agree. Let's talk, Brandon, about right. you and your okay. life and what you've done. Actually, tell us what you do now. Like, what's your what's huh. your life consist of these days? Um, well, uh, right now I am a barista, which I never thought I would be a barista, but I really enjoy it. Really? I really yeah, I love my job. I love the people I work for. It's not like a chain. It's a local chain, but it's not like not big name, and they're like really focused on like being good on customer service and being nice and like being polite manage like they're just it's like a mom and pop st- mom and pop shop kind of thing where they're just like i don't know they're just like w- good quality people do you I, feel like the biggest cliche ever because you're a barista and an actor uh no because i'm actually funny and uh, <laughs> <laughs> shots fired yeah all those other baristas can suck it <laughs> no 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 i mean uh, p- uh respect to all baristas uh but no like i uh I don't think I'm a cliche because one, uh, I make enough money to live still, mm. which, uh, you know, I have my debt, but I'm not like clamoring for cash every day. You know what I mean? Does that yeah. make sense? No, like, it I, does. I get like, you. I'm, I, like I'm all right in my daily life, even when I don't have like acting jobs and stuff, which is awesome. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I mainly right now is uh, barista stuff and acting. I do improvs like my main thing. I tried stand up for a little while, but. I just, I like improv so much more and I hate waiting in line uh, for stand-up. So Kai, are you, wait, 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 Kai, just, you guys can't see this, but Kai just made this like visual light up of his life reaction yeah, to improv. I, so I did the, the Mahalo thing. So do you prefer improv to stand-up? Oh, Have no you way. picked a side? No way, no, I'm totally on stand-up side always yeah. forever, but like I, because like, Improv is like a fun thing to do where it's like you don't have the pressure of like oh stand up yep. because you don't have to worry about writing anything out or coming up with like a plan or like making sure that it's like well put together. Like the you just only, go out there and fucking do it. That's yeah. why I hate improv. The I only the only plan that you should have in improv is having good people around you to play with. Yep. If you have good people who are supporters, then most likely you're gonna have an all an all right to great show. But if you have people who are like green or, you know, just into the scene or they're just terrible at it, it's going to be more work than it's probably worth a lot of the time. You actually turned me around to improv because like the first week that I got here and I watched your it's your two man troupe, which give, say the name for me. Was it Rondon? You saw Rondon Martelli? Yeah, Rondon Martelli. That's At what Rondon I saw. Rondon Martelli? And I was like, this is so not bad. Huh. <laughs> Just because I, <laughs> I came in with the anticipation of not enjoying it. And I was like, well, I was wrong. I was like, it was really good. You guys were great. And then there was a two-woman troupe that did dramatic Cascade. Improv, and I was like, dramatic improv. That's... You got to be in the mood for it. No, They're yeah. good actresses, but you got to be in the mood for some drama. No, it was good, though. Yeah. I was like, I was like really invested in it and like on the hook. And then their funny moments were like really good and funny because they broke up. Because they came out of like, the, they came out of their natural stuff that was happening. Like 
those two people are really really good like, that that's what i was gonna say is like you either have to be ready for like dramatic or narrative improv or yeah. it has to be like so fucking good that it hooks you in. yep and the way they stacked that night was really great because you guys went rondon martinelli mm-hmm. went first and so i was like i had already like i guess you have to sometimes as a as, a, as an audience member you have to surrender to what you're doing yeah like mm-hmm. i think all three of us can relate to this where you've been in a show and there's the person in the middle who hasn't surrendered to being in the audience oh yeah so they're just i hate this shit i don't want to be here she's not funny i bet she's not good okay you can feel so all of that from them yeah that that's bad but what is worse is dealing with a heckler in an improv show Wait, heckle, people heckle people improv? well they they their heckling is they want to uh participate the whole time yep like like they're like, part of the scene that's happening 10 feet away from i'm helping yeah <laughs> oh my god butch there's and a guy like, named butch that was is there really a guy yeah, named butch? it was just a one-time thing for one of our troops but we did our whole show around that person like calling them out the whole time and eventually got them to leave the audience which was pretty <laughs> funny yeah it, it's like for anyone out there who's listening who enjoys talking in comedy shows because i'm assuming that you like comedy if you listen to us mm-hmm. uh we got it <laughs> <laughs> We don't need the help. We got like, the stuff. We got, we, we got it. Oops. I flipped out on a heckler at Karina's last show at the um, the uh, Gordo's. Gordo's is a local, really awesome local kind of fun place that serves amazing donuts. And they had their little outside show. And I was doing, this guy had been like talking and interrupting the whole open mic. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, I've got this. You can stop. And he didn't stop. And then I just kept going. And he's like, I don't understand. Like, I didn't know it was poetry night, which I don't think he knew. But that was like the meanest fucking heckle to tell a bunch of, <laughs> to call a bunch of comedians poets. This is weird poetry. I wasn't expecting poetry right now. I was like, none of us started. These are punchlines. Shut up. Like, you're just really aggressive <laughs> slam poets. So I come up to him afterwards and I was like, hey, what you were doing was not okay. He goes, oh, I just, I was just trying to help. And I was like, it's not okay. You think you're helping, but you're not. What you're doing is called heckling. And only the worst people heckle That's don't right. ever come here again <laughs> and like Mahoney was like let it go and I was like it's not okay the we- I think the weirdest heckle that I ever saw was I don't know if it was completely intentional or not but it was something that I was also like an audience member in because uh. it was like a troop that had gone on like after mine or some shit like that uh, or they were opening for us whatever uh, they were doing this scene and this guy walked up, and I don't know what he think. He, he, I'm assuming he doesn't go to improv shows regularly because he thought etiquette was to, um, if he was enjoying himself, uh, take money out of his wallet and walk up to the edge of the stage <laughs> and leave it on the edge of the stage. Shut oh, up. New rule for anyone seeing an improv show: please leave us money on the stage. Yeah, but yeah, like put it in a bu- put it in a bucket afterwards and give it all mm-hmm. to us, like a collections plate. Just That's maybe true. not in the middle of a scene, and then, but like then they edited the scene right as he, like right after he did that. So then somebody started to walk up and pick the money up off the edge of the stage, so that way it just like wouldn't be in their way. So somebody started the next scene like it was like a bank robbery thing, and he was like, "Put the money down." <laughs> and so then they started to do this whole thing off of it, which was really really funny. But then the guy, I don't know if he was like just really drunk or whatever. He goes, I didn't mean to start any of this. I'm so sorry. Like he thought there there was like some sort of actual robbery situation oh happening. Drugs. And started going. yelling about it. He was just like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can take it back if it's causing problems. I didn't want to start this. And I... It was. Did the tech booth play like an like a siren or anything to like amp up the police idea or anything? It all to happened scare so more? fast. God, yeah, 
Fuck, that would have been awesome. It was it it, 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 weird things happening in comedy shows are like things. It's like when you see an accident on the side of the road. Like you, you want check to it out. not, you want to not rubberneck, and you get mad at everybody rubbernecking. But whenever you pass it, you know you slow down a oh, little yeah. bit. I'm the person who can't just like let it go. I remember this is so bad. This comedian I'm about to tell the story about really quick story. Uh quit comedy after this. Um oh, which no. might be my fault. He like he's at an open mic in Dallas and he gets up there and he's like he had just started and like hadn't really figured out how to formulate a whole joke yet. Mm-hmm. So he's up there and he's got this joke that like I think the punchline was something about black people and Swisher Sweets. Like, it was not... Common punchline. Not an original or funny thought whatsoever. Yeah. So, this is a white comic trying to tell his joke, too. So, it's really not a great joke. But I'm just watching and being respectful or whatever. And this other comic goes, man, shut up up there trying to talk about black people. (laughs) And I was like, you shut up. You're in the audience. It's not your time to talk. He's like, I'm a comedian. I'm going to say what I want to say. And I was like, I've been hosting this mic for over a year and I've never seen you before. You're not a comedian. And he goes, yeah, and you're not black. And I was like, sir, I'm black. And he's like, then why are you going to let him talk about black people? And I was like, because it's his turn. It doesn't matter if he's terrible or not. Some people are bad Mm. when they start. Just let him be bad and be quiet. And the comic's still on stage while we're like having this argument. She thinks I'm terrible. He thinks I'm bad. (laughs) Fuck, I'm not winning. And he was like, all right, uh, that's my time, guys. And just walks off. And then I think Forever. He never showed up at another mic again. Like He, he just walked out of the mic recording with the, that the Hulk walk Delete. away music playing behind him. So I broke a comic once. Um, I saw, I didn't do it, but uh, uh, when I first got into uh, improv and stuff, I was doing it to like be better at stand-up because I was like, I'm moving to Austin. I'm going to move there to do comedy. I'm going to do stand-up. And I was like, well... I am still very scared of being on stage. So I'm going to do improv lessons first and like try to learn how to be okay with nothing. That way if my go up there with writing stuff and it fails, you can save yourself and not feel awkward and like run away. Well, I went to an open mic at Austin Java one time and I saw that exact thing happen to somebody else where mm-hmm. they like locked up. This kid came up and you know, it was, it was an open mic. Most open mics are somewhat empty uh, especially like four years ago. So there's like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. six people in the crowd, maybe three of them comics, you know, whatever, low, just like a low number night. And this kid got up there. He's tried starting to like tell a joke and it was stayed quiet. You know, no one really laughs because especially if there's comics in the crowd, they're not going to laugh as much as they're going to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And yeah, man, the, the silence in the room just bit this guy so hard. He like didn't finish his stuff and he's like, oh. uh, I'm sorry. And then like <laughs> walked, like sped walk, not like run, but you know when people like try to cross the crosswalk, but they're not running, they're just like walking sort of fast. Like this guy did that down the stage and out the back door and never saw him again. And everyone in the crowd was like, shit. <laughs> like we didn't, we weren't trying to make him feel bad. Everyone was just quiet, you know, it was just one of those times. And uh, I hope he didn't kill himself or anything <laughs> crazy. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I mean, just the, uh, <laughs> I'm stuck uh, on that. All right, and like just walk away. Do you know what that sounds like? And I hate to be super gross. Like n- n- none the of worst you- come. Yeah, none yeah. of you guys have ever been teenage mm. girls, but like if you've ever, how do you know? Because I'm I was a kidding. teenage girl who had sex with a teenage <laughs> just boy. Just about me. Who went? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long it took. That's exactly oh, man. what it At sounded 15, like. Fifteen first oh, words. Eric. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I use first names out here. That's I use cool. full real names out here. Uh, we don't hold nothing back on extra salty. That's no. cool. I love cursing. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. Uh, yeah. 
you know what? While we've got you, so let's talk about a little bit about your experiences before you moved here. Like, yeah. what's, what's the dynamic like in a small town? Uh, well, where, tell us where you're from. And kind I of- am from Midland, Texas. Mm-hmm. And for those of you, if you're listening and you don't know what Midland, Texas is, it is uh, the butthole of West Texas. It is... <laughs> It is like right at the corner of the backwards L if you're looking at Texas on a map. Um, it is the, there's a giant, there's two, uh, I think there's two, there might be three, uh, giant green signs, you know, like welcome to Austin. You get that little sign when you roll into the city limits, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in Midland we have, um, it's probably about six feet tall and it's got the Texas flag and American flag, I believe. And it says, welcome to the proud home of George and Laura Bush. Cause that is where they grew up. Um, George Bush was born in Connecticut, was not a real Texan. Mm -hmm. I think they moved here later, but his family moved here and they grew up there. And when he, uh, became president, he stopped there on his way to the white house, like the day of like inauguration, Mm -hmm. he like flew in and went to the school where I went to fourth grade and like did this whole thing. You met George Bush? No, well I did, but not there. I met him actually in, uh, Colleen. Bush or W? W. I didn't, I've never met the old man. What's W like in person? You know what's weird is I feel like like we hated him when he was in office and now he just seems like this adorable Oh my God. Now. Have you seen his paintings? Yeah. He is doing this thing right now which <sighs> fucking mad respect. Uh, he's painting like wounded war veterans. From wars that he started. But yeah. Correct. That's kind of the, <laughs> that's kind of the, you know. I feel like everybody got up, a lot more comfortable with like being cool with Bush, like now that he was out of office, and like with all those photos of it, like him floating around post presidency, where it's just like a poncho being blown up in his face, and <laughs> well, it's like a whole bunch of him trying to get it down, and then like one of him just like making a little smirk at the end, like I got it. Ex presidents well, get really cute after office, you know, like when like yeah, when, like when Bill Clinton was trying to pop the balloons. Oh and my then, god, like, <laughs> that's because we know after their eight years are over that they are powerless for the rest. Of their <laughs> but they're also set; they got money for days Dude, through what if, whatever they did what if the government like takes out a piece of their brains and that's why they seem so cute like, i don't know like i feel, I feel like the slower. current president might have more of his brain taken out oh god i hope all of his brains taken but out. um no george i you know i feel sorry i feel more sorry for w now because of like what we all know through the internet and like how much of it was like the vice president and carl rove and like all these back people like that had nothing he was like literally just a centerpiece for everyone to do work behind him right that's how all presidents really work right but that was like the first time you like really figured it out like you saw this dude's face and you're like he has no idea what the fuck is going on you know what i mean (laughs) like but anyways i grew up in this town and um i i went to robert e lee high school our mascot was indeed Robert E. Lee, a giant fluffy caricature of Robert E. Lee. Oh, the fighting uh, Robert E. Lees? Yeah, like, the head of the Confederates. And uh, yeah, we had two high schools, uh, main rivals. They, uh, on the week of homecoming when they would play each other in football, like the Friday night, we they would have to change the lunch schedules for both schools so they wouldn't meet up at the mall and fight. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> this is an entire week of people like of like making chore- of lunch choreography <laughs> to make sure these people don't intersect because of a football game. This is the kind of town where people wear their Letterman's. Friend. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I I got a Letterman just because my mom wanted me to, and I thought that's what you do. I didn't play sports. I got it for like speech and drama and shit. Oh, you had a drama and welding. Letterman. What's up? I'm not <laughs> to put metal together. But, uh, with the two faces yeah you know i don't know if the two faces are on there it might just sit it might just have the boring ass words 
My high school but, tried to get me to do the exact same thing, and I was just like, I don't want that. You know who has that jacket? The person who wanted it, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I never owned it. I never, I put it on once, and I was like, I feel like a fucking idiot. <laughs> Well, it would be appropriate for it to have the masks on it because that is both comedic and tragic. That is very, very true. But uh, yeah, so uh, it, this is Midland is about as big of a conservative town as you can conservative Republican proud town as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, no disrespect if you're a Republican. Obviously, you're entitled to your opinion. Nobody Republican listens to this podcast. Nope, exactly. You so. shouldn't. I'm. I'm I'm black. You're gay. Black woman, if, gay guy. If you everything, everything wait, you're is, black. <laughs> I've said it like four times no. today. <laughs> I felt like that guy in the audience. I'm black. <laughs> you're not black. <laughs> Berate the white guy. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> no. Trying to encourage him. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to. Uh, what was What were we talking about? Lee High School. Well, yeah, your your high school. Yes. Robert E. Lee. Yeah. High yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, a giant, huge conservative town. Uh, Halliburton headquarters is there. Um, it is it is the centerpiece of, like, conservative capitalism oil money. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not in the oil industry there, you're working retail or you're moving because you don't have any work to do. It is that, like, hardcore. Mm. And it's in the desert. So, the, I mean, we had, we had uh, dirt storms where the air would turn brown and like a real brown like wind is blowing there's nothing to like break up the wind like it is just a brown sky you can see like aerial photos if you look up aerial photos on google like dirt storm midland texas you can see these rolling walls it looks like reverse independence day like just these giant walls of dirt like rolling into town that sounds depressing and unhealthy yeah so that's where i got my depression from uh No, I, uh, so I grew up there, uh, got into like skateboarding mm-hmm. when I was in high school and that was like the one thing that like saved most of my sanity in that town. But like, it's such a magnet for like self-destruction. I don't know if you're from a small, small town, but like if you can't, you, you should yeah. know if you can't, if you don't find a way to get out, you're stuck. Oh yeah. And oh, if yeah. you don't find a solid way to stay out, you'll get you know brought right back in something will happen you'll more more than likely something will happen you'll be like well maybe i should just move on back home and then you just move on back home and then you're there forever which i did twice you moved back twice yeah where'd you where'd you move away to i moved i moved to san antonio to finish school at utsa um and then i graduated college in may of 2008 which is like (laughs) The I mean, right when all the recession shit happened, like it was like next day. Mm-hmm. And so it was hard to find a job. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I wanted to do in school. I kind of got pushed by my father and, you know, just going to college and getting something that'll get you somewhere. So I have a business degree, but I'm a barista. <laughs> but uh, I moved to San Antonio. Then I moved back home because I didn't know what I was going to do for work. I was just like, I didn't know what to do. And then uh, I stayed in Midland for a little while. I was like, I got to get back out of here. I can't stay here. It's like the first circle of being brought back home. You're like, try to break out of it again. Broke out, but like didn't have a real purpose for why I was trying to break out. Mm -hmm. I just knew I had to like get out of there. I went back to San Antonio because I had a buddy up there. It was like, we can get you a job. I got a job through a friend. 
As soon as I moved back there, I got hooked on a girl who was back home in the other town next to Midland. It's like it's Midland's Odessa? shitty. Yeah, Midland's shitty little sister, Hodessa. And uh, I ended, like really what people call it, Hodessa. Hodessa? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, boo. That's where all the strip clubs are. Oh, that's terrible. Literally across the county line or whatever. I've only been to Midland one time. It was for this, uh, I was working with a makeup company. And I just remember being like, why is everyone's skin so dry here? And being mm. really angry about that. Because the air is abrasive. It's awful. <laughs> really? Or you just don't like it's so abrasive? No, like if there's a, if there's dirt in the air, it's abrasive. Like you can't, if you have a black car, you're going to wash that thing every day. Oh. Like if it rains, there's going to be dirt in the rain. So yeah, take us back to like kind of the moving around. Because I know at one point you, when, when did you decide like I want to act and perform and make people laugh and that's what I want right. to do. So the second time I got ringed when I was in San Antonio, I got rung, <laughs> rung in by a lady back to Midland. Like, Two days after I moved back to Midland for we broke up. And I was like, God damn it, fuck, you know. But she was like super hot and I was just like, you know, I was like blinded by that shit. Uh, but after I got out of that, I just found a job and stayed in Midland, was pretty down and uh, ended up getting like headhunted. You know, I don't know if you've ever been headhunted in a job where they like ring you in for an, basically like a middleman to find you a job. Um, I got, I found this job with this company and it was in Midland and it was for like an electrical company. And I ended up getting a job there and it was a super small shitty store. And like, I was just sitting there day after day and it was just one of those jobs where I could have been there for like 40 years easily, but I could have seen it the 40 years pass like that. Oh. And then just, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. just one of those draining, what the fuck am I doing with my life jobs? And I started watching, there's a lot of time to watch like internet videos. So I was watching uh, a lot of inside the actor studio because mm -hmm. I'd always wanted to be a comedian. I've always wanted to be funny and perform since I was like 12. And my dad kind of like subconsciously put, pushed me out of that. And I didn't, you know, he wasn't trying to, he was just like, you know, what do you, you like, are you going to be able to like make live? Like, yeah, yeah. Make a living like that. And I had no answer at 12 years old. <laughs> So I'm watching like all these inside actor studios and then I watch Dave Chappelle's and he does like, he says the exact same thing my dad says to me, you know, that his dad said to him, but he had like the perfect answer and he's like, well, it depends on what you call making a living. You know, I can make your salary doing comedy, like talking about his dad being a, I uh, believe a professor at the time or whatever, making like 45 grand a year and like, if I'm making money by doing comedy and still doing that, you know, I can do it. And I was like, damn, that's a good response. That would be horrifying coming from like your 12 year old though. Yeah. If they're just like, well, dad, I could make as much money as you, but if you think, oh, about it, like that would be, It'd be like, kind why of you, horrifying. Why do, why do you know how much money I make? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what, have, what have you been doing? Well, wait a I, minute. Why is there QuickBooks on your laptop? I just, how did you get a laptop? You're poor. <laughs> did your parents grow up poor? Oh, yeah. Well, my mom and dad uh, got married and divorced to each other twice. What? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I am, uh, the product of infidelity. Oh. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my mom came from a family of four, uh, like three other siblings and then her mom and her dad. And then my dad came from, uh, he, believe he basically is only, he was an only child. His dad left him when he was basically born mm -hmm. and he stayed with his mom and his mom got married to a real nice guy who, you know, was in turn my grandfather for most of my life until he passed. Uh, 
but you know their their family i don't she they weren't necessarily rich but um you know they weren't poor they're probably middle class Mm -hmm. my mom's family was probably like lower middle class because of like where they lived and like you know how many kids were in the family yeah, I just ask that because, like, I find that people who grow up poor, they have this, like, it, it's kind of what's, what perpetuates the cycle of poverty, where it's just, like, you can only see what's directly in yep, front of you. Absolutely. So, it's, like, my parents see things like, you know, what's a, you know what's a good job? A teacher, a lawyer, a doctor. You know what's not a job? An artist, a comedian. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to do? It doesn't matter what I'm doing or how much money I make. They still do. Like, I remember I was working. What did my mom tell somebody I was one time? <laughs> She like, okay, I was working at a radio station that was KDFX mm-hmm. and I overheard on the phone saying I was the manager of KFC. Swear ha! to God. <laughs> like, Another said, well-respected radio. And she was just like <laughs> so confident. Yep, yep, she's the manager. She's been doing it. And I'm like, mom, why? She goes, I don't know. KF, KDFC. And I was like, mom, that's a chicken company. She works for the colonel. <laughs> that's what are you talking about? Oh my God. Um, No, you said you're the product of infidelity back Yeah, you want to hear that? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, my mom or excuse me my dad was married has been married three times he's on his third wife right now they've been together for like 20 years or whatever so you know respect (laughs) but uh my dad's first wife uh he and her had two daughters who are my half sisters and my mom was the babysitter and what yeah oh my god straight up (laughs) porn scenario only probably not anywhere as exciting did you come from the thing that ted cruz liked i didn't come Oh, oh god damn it. sorry oh. i was right there guys i'm oh. sorry no 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 oh no I, and no no and just yes uh <laughs> uh jesus christ yeah <laughs> no um yeah my so that happened and then you know my obviously my dad and that lady jolyn she's a great lady uh they divorced and then my dad and my mom tried making it work it did not then they tried making it work again. It also did not. Um, they got married. They got divorced the second time when I was like five to six years old. Oh. And uh, then that's when I basically grew up lower middle class with my mom after we moved back to Midland. My dad had moved to Florida to work for Pat Robertson of the 700 Club. Oh. Jesus freaks. And uh, Is that the old man? Is the that host? is the old man. Oh. Yeah, my dad worked in radio oh. for like 30 plus, 40 plus years. Why don't you uh, reconnect with Pat Robbins and see if he's got some acting work for you? I'm not no. trying to I'm not trying to be in any um God flicks. <laughs> God flicks. Yeah. I'm not trying to bible and chill. God flicks, now streaming through the yeah. clouds. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> the heavenly clouds. Um So what's the age gap between your mom and your dad? 20 years. Uh, sorry, yep. I don't mean to judge no, your dad. No, no, no. There's no I mean, listen, 40 20 0. When I was born. But um, look at me now. Uh, <laughs> no, so like uh, I grew up in Midland. We lived in Orlando for like six months. And then they got divorced the second time or broke up the second time, whatever. And then me and my mom flew back to Midland. And that's where I spent the rest of my young life. Do you think your parents' divorce has had any effect on your relationships? Uh, Definitely with the idea of marriage. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't see that. I mean, I'm definitely in a great loving relationship right now that's been going on for a while, but uh, I have no plans on like trying to get married through like debt or whatever, like putting on weight. Like if I get married, it's, it's going to be done. Frank Sinatra is going to be my way and I'm going to like, you know, be able to pay for it. Like 
I don't want to get married like other people usually get married, which is like through their bride's dads paying for most of the stuff and like all that. Like I just, I see a lot of things differently as far as marriage goes, especially going to weddings now, knowing what I know and what I've been through and like seeing what, how people are when they get married. Mm-hmm. I've probably been to two weddings out of maybe like the last eight weddings I've ever gone to where I was like, that's a real couple. Yeah. They're they're going to make that work. That's a good marriage. That's what it's supposed to be. How long have you and your partner been together? What's her name again? I'm sorry, sir. Uh, her name is Eileen. Eileen. How long yeah. have you been together? Uh, it'll be six years in January. Cool. And so you don't feel any like of that like wedding pressure? I, I only feel pressure self-consciously when I see other people doing it. And you get that thought of like, well, you should be married. But it's like, I've been through so much that I'm like... And she's not worried about it either, by the way. Like, at least right now. Like, we're so set on, like, making sure that we get the careers and, like, lives that we want to live. But, like, that's our first priority above all else is, like, making sure that we're making money and living a happy life, doing what we want to do. If marriage comes, that's, like, down the road. That's awesome. I, I don't know if you listened to episode one where we talked about my, yeah. like, obsession with wedding. That's what I was just thinking about. <laughs> I'm the worst with it. And it's funny because you were telling me that your girlfriend does wedding hair. And I literally, I do wedding makeup. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just be like, this would be great for my wedding. Yeah. Now I go home pissed as fuck that I'm not engaged. No, like. no. So like, that's one of the only things that's happened recently where like me and her recently went to one of her, I said me and her, I spoke bad English. Her and I, was that the right way to say it? Her and I went to a wedding recently, mm-hmm. one of her friends and, uh, you know, nice wedding. But, I was just thinking about all I did was think about all the things I would do differently. <laughs> like criticizing like, the wedding. I, yeah. I would, first of all, you've got to change the soundtrack up to a wedding. There cannot be the seven, like, or the seven, the same, like 10 songs. Oh yeah. Like that gets so fucking old to, to me at least. Being I, thought a pers- just, I thought it was just always supposed to be all of the hits from now volume 16 with Mambo number five thrown in there. Ooh, every Mambo number minutes. five is an after 9 p.m. <laughs> song for sure. <laughs> Three, four, five, everybody. That, is, by the way, <laughs> very, very provocative song. Yeah. All it is is talking about how he wants to hump other women, right? Yeah, not a good wedding song, actually. I mean, maybe for the bridesmaids. No, it, yeah, it's it's literally about uh, a, fucking a, a shitload of women every other different day. His <laughs> complete disregard for any sort of real commitment. Super happy about it, too, in a hat. The only thing yeah. <laughs> his hat is crazy. The only thing that makes me angry about other people's weddings is I think. Um, I think weddings that don't include alcohol are absolutely deplorable. Um, you shouldn't I even go. Shouldn't even go. And What's I say the that point? one of my closest friends had a dry wedding and we've had this discussion, but I'm like, all right, okay. <sighs> like, but, 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 but in her defense, she's like very religious and alcohol's not included in their religion. Okay. But well, if you're not religious, you're just being cheap. That's fine. Again, I say, what is the point? Yeah. <laughs> Have a reception. Have an adult reception with no religion involved. Get fucked up there for each their own for each their own i just went to one wedding that didn't have alcohol and instead had like a mashed potato bar and like ooh, that is actually a nice swap <laughs> really <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm you know i'm from i guess texas is considered the south i'm a mashed potato lover I, a connoisseur if you will um, just, texans are just fat so whatever fattening yeah. food i would have said if i'd been like there was a cheese bar yeah, I I would only be okay with the mashed potato bar swap if there was a poster above it that said that that was the Taterama bar. Taterama, fuck, oh. that's nice. What if you had to choose between mashed potatoes or liquor? 
Like you can only like tortadoes. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really, but that's I'm also not a big like drinker. I smoke way more pot than I've ever drank any liquor or alcohol I've, in my life. I haven't figured pot out. I brought like, a bunch of loose beers in my bag. I thought you were about to say to weed or joints. Recording. I brought a bunch of loose Wait, joints. What are loose beers? No. Like, did you just like get See, rid of the cardboard part? Yeah, <laughs> it's just a bunch of loose beer bottles. What do they call that with cigarettes? Lucy's. Yeah, yeah. He brought a bunch of Lucy's of beers. <laughs> that doesn't really work. That's fantastic. They're called Ethel's when it's bigger. <laughs> so I hate to harp on your parents' divorce. But no, I'm please like, harp. Play I'm it. fascinated by the idea of them divorcing and then deciding to get married again. Oh, I... And you, you said that all happened before you were six? Yeah. God damn. Oh, that's here's an, confuse you as a child. Yes. Uh, here's the best <laughs> thing about that. Yes. Uh, here's the best thing about that that also happened with Inside the Actor's Studio watching it on, TV, or on YouTube. Um, Tom Hanks went through the same thing. Not the same age, but like same scenario of like parents getting married and divorced twice. If I'm remembering that correctly, if I'm not, I'm sorry, but I'm, I, I felt like I stamped it in my brain because it, I was just like, Dave Chappelle's is crazy to hear him say that, but hearing Tom Hanks, you know, one of the most successful actors of our generation by far say something like that happened in his life. That was so similar to mine where I was just like, that, that was also like part of the point. I was like, I got to fucking get out of here. I got to go do what I want to try to do. And that's when I like, I was like, I'm going to transfer to Austin. My best friend was living here at the time. And I came to Austin a few times and I really enjoyed it, especially after I was in college in San Antonio. My friends would come down here while I was in college to, just to get fucked up. Yeah. So that's all I thought about it. I was like, I don't want to be in Austin. That's a fucking party town. Everyone gets fucked up. Could not be farther from that sort of truth. It is true. People do get fucked up here, but it's also like such a real community of a city, which you know, I had no idea there was anything like that. And then when I moved here, I was like, this is everybody's normal here mm -hmm. every day compared to like where I'm from, where it's just like, hate your life from 6 a.m. when you wake up till you fucking fall asleep drunk at like nine or 10. <laughs> Austin's definitely one of those places that it's like, to no, like pretty much no matter what you're interested in, you can find some portion of the population here that is yep. a little community based on that thing that you enjoy and like have a group of people that you enjoy hanging out with, with mutual interests and just like live your little truth. And not feel awkward city. about it yeah. whatsoever. Yep. I think that's been the problem for me. Maybe I haven't taken the time to invest in finding people that I, I mean, outside of comedy, I have great friends that I've made with comedy, but there is always an element of like, we're only yay close to each other when it comes to comedy. Mm -hmm. Like you see each other out at shows and you don't see each other again. At least that's how I felt. You should get into improv because oh, troops definitely gotta, hang out. Mm -hmm. That's well, see, you're giving, you're giving that weird face, but I got to tell you, when you get into a troop and it may take you, and listen, I know this is like, probably some basic bitch shit i'm saying right now but like when you get into like a troop of good people which if you start improv and you stay in it for a while you start meeting the people that are really in it because there's especially in austin there's like people with different enthusiasm levels mm -hmm. or people who yeah. are doing it for fun versus people who are doing it to like probably it, further a career is it weird to me that like the pay to play aspect is what turns me off from improv what do you mean pay to play i you, you pay for courses and you continue to take these courses and then people who may only be marginally talented or flat out bad continue to keep going because they're willing to put the money up but, and i think it creates I mean, this little circle jerk of people who just have money and that's time that's literally any skill though no and that's almost comedy like, doesn't work like that the cream rises to the top if you're good you're good I don't pay right. a dime to do stand-up, okay, but I keep okay. going. Well, here's stand, the thing. Improv stand is, is a, a different beast. That's right. That's what feels weird to me about it, though. I don't want to hang out with a bunch of bored rich kids. I Wow. This there is, is no bored rich kids in improv. Those no. are people who scrounge money together because they want to do it. I will stand by that for sure. 
Mm-hmm. I promise you. And this is probably my negative perception from the outside of it. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't know because I haven't experienced it. Right. But that's been something that's made me wary because I'm like, am I even going to get along Listen, with these people? Am the, I going to want to know I mean, them? Are either of us bored rich kids? No. There you go. I mean, okay. you know both of us. This Two, is true. Okay, so listen, I'm going to... I think the best way to say it is, unfortunately, paying for those classes and getting into the rhythm of things is almost like paying your dues with stand-up and like going mm-hmm. and waiting at open mics all the time. It's like almost the same thing. You get to know the community. You get to know who people are that might be more important in the community, not that anyone's more important than the other. I know we all love each other here, but there are people... In more, more advanced. Po- there's more people. There's people who are more advanced. There's people who are in more powerful positions as far as being able to put you up on stage. Just like in stand-up, you know, someone can get you in an open mic if you're going to be running late. Like, if you're in it for a while and you know the guy, you can send him a text. No, yeah. stand-up's cut and dry like that. Like, you can flat-out say someone's more important. Right. This person's got a half hour. Improv's a little bit friendlier. This person's been on TV. This person runs this club. Like, you know, like, yeah. you, like it's very, to me, it's very cut and dry and all makes sense. fucking coaster. I'm sorry. But, you know what? You can speak volumes about the, the importance of the community-ness. Maybe oh. I wouldn't feel so, like outlier in austin if i had taken the time to get involved with it here's the thing improv itself especially here in austin is like really um getting into the diversity aspect if you will they are really making it a point to like make sure they include Mm -hmm. everybody not that they haven't in the past but there's definitely been wider groups than others but that's just comedy though (laughs) that's just comedy baby uh yeah like I mean, not, it, not not saying that it's a good thing. That no, not at all. But no, just historically, it it's been Listen, predominantly straight white. In Living Color and its youth was way more funny than most of Saturday Night oh Live. Oh, my God. They need to, you know, they have... One white guy, one white girl, that's all they had. You know, Fox and CBS have tried to bring it back, and they've yep. done, like, all these, like, underground auditions. They casted it. They, they, ca- they, they casted it at one point. Actually, someone, and, someone we talked to on the show was almost on it like down to the like hey quit your job and move to la and then they just dropped it man you know that's that's the real shitty part about show business probably is those kind of things when you're like super excited then it's like boom what are you whispering oh Oh. (laughs) i was asking who but i didn't want her to like oh oh yeah i don't say it because i didn't know i didn't want to put her business out don't you can you have editing can you just bleep it out if you say the name that's like the funnest part of audio is you can censor stuff and make the beep sound Ethan edit, edits much. He keeps in pretty much. He's shaking his head. He keeps in pretty much everything we say. All right, you say the name. I'll do the censor. No, we'll just talk about it off All script. Right. But you know, it's like actually talk to us about that as an actor. Mm-hmm. I know you've gotten you've had a lot of experiences with auditions and things like yeah. that. Have you ever gotten really close to getting cast in something and then it just kind of fell through? How did you recover? Um, I don't know if I knew that I was necessarily getting um, close to being cast in something, but. I had an audition for like a movie with like Sissy Spacek that uh, I filmed an audition for that I felt like super comfortable with, but like obviously you don't know who else they're seeing, it, and so obviously someone else got it. So that's with like a Sissy whole different. Sissy Spacek. Yeah. Okay. Who's that? She's uh she's the mom on this uh, terrible show on Netflix called Bloodline. Uh, she's also like a pretty old actress. Not old, like she's she is old, but like you know she's like an older actress. She's What's been she around been for a while. In, like big stuff. 
God, uh, was it fried green tomatoes? Wasn't she in that? I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fun fact, uh, just before, like, you know, while we're on the topic of Sissy Spacek, she was actually in a movie that was based off of somebody in my family who was one of the first people to use PTSD as a legal defense for killing a police officer. What? That is fucking tight, bro. Holy she shit. She was the only big name in the movie, and it was straight to TV, but it happened. Hey, it was on TV. It was on TV. It was on, I saw it on TV. Kai, I always appreciate, like, the layers of interesting in your family. <laughs> like, I just, I'm always like, what else are you going to tell it's me? Just a, it's just a bunch of people who have killed other people. You that's know the, somebody that's the killed only a cop? That's the only runner there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I know anyone who successfully killed anybody. Uh, not anyone we can say without a censor button. <laughs> um... So my the first cool experience I had as far as acting, which I actually got, was uh, the first commercial I did was this <clears throat> Russian commercial for a Belgian beer called Ho Garden, and uh, Chuck Norris was in it. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I got to my first commercial. I got to do uh, had Chuck Norris. It was a big budget commercial just for another country, and it was all dubbed over in Russian later. But like we met it was like me and six other guys who played these like weird uh this weird mixture of like monks and uh beer brewers Mm -hmm. so we had super um cool costumes on wait were you a monk yeah but i was also a beer person and uh but like chuck norris is basically like the leader of these monks or whatever and it was like kind of funny there was some little stunts and stuff but like we got to meet him for like a split second and then we got to meet his stunt double which is named chip and Chip, Chip Norris. Oh my Chip, God! Please tell Chip, me his name's Chip Norris. It, Chip and Chuck need to have their own show before Chuck Norris passes. <laughs> respect to Chuck Norris. All due respect, but like Chuck Norris isn't that old. But I'm just convinced he, he's got Cokehart by he's now. He's pretty old now. He's How like in his seventies. Oh really? Yeah. But also, of course, somebody he's named a, Chip as a stunt double. Yeah. Well, <laughs> get this though. Chip is uh, one of Chuck Norris's first black belts he ever trained in his uh, under his dojo or whatever. And then started doing stunt work for Chuck in 92 for the movie Sidekicks. Mm-hmm. We remember Chuck Norris showed up to help a young asthmatic white boy with a Korean grandmother, I think. Or what is this movie? Sidekicks. It's super cool. Um, it, was, it was basically like Karate Kid. But just one kid. No, it was basically like Karate Kid. Um, but a comp. Nope, there was a competition. Yeah, it was pretty close to Karate Kid. <laughs> It was called Sidekicks and it had Chuck Norris. That was, so I'm taking that's early 90s when there was just like. 1992. What would be cool if kids did karate? Because it was like karate But kids also had and asthma. And then. And their, gra- their crazy grandpa made them run in front of a van. <laughs> what if they could do karate, but they got tired faster? And he like. <laughs> so like during the competition part of that movie, like. Uh, he's been he's like struggling with asthma and stuff and like his great his crazy asian grandfather or whatever takes him into this back room and like puts this i'm guessing asian vicks rape vapor rub on his chest and stuff to get him to be able to breathe and then he puts on a mask and does a bunch of nunchucks shit it's a great movie it's super inspiring for little kids <laughs> it's just sriracha he's yeah just yeah he's just fucking with sriracha, sriracha. Oh he God. just paints like a, he draws a little chicken on his chest with the sauce we're just imagining these directors putting this together with this. No, no, poorly. this is a good move. <laughs> this is a good move. This makes sense. I'm, Don't research it. It'll work. I've already forgotten how we got here. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, my first I commercial was commercial. with Chuck Norris. <laughs> and then I did uh, some other commercials. Um, the main thing that was 
pretty that that the main thing I've resented so far as an actor though, mm-hmm. if you want to talk like super salty, um, I the first thing I ever did I did not have an agent yet, and I was just an extra for this beer another beer commercial for La Blat Blue, which is a Canadian bear beer, yeah. um, like a, and a beer for bears. Well, their mascot's a bear okay. who drinks <laughs> a lot of beer. But uh, it, it that was a it was a huge it was a big production like they had a giant camera that was the first time I've seen like one of these giant cameras with like a seat and this dude sitting in the seat with the camera and like rolling on a track and getting all these tight shots but I didn't have an agent and I was just an extra but I did both days and you get paid two hundred a day so I was like expecting four hundred dollars never got it I emailed the lady like she emailed me back once and I was like. I don't have an agent. I haven't got my checks. And one girl I did know on set, I asked her about it and she said she had gotten hers. And that's when I was like, when, I, when, I need, when I'm supposed to have money, that's when I like, I'm like, where is it? Like, yeah. I, like I want my shit. And uh, the lady text, the lady wrote me back. She's like, uh, I, I sent it to this guy's, an agent's office. And I was like, I don't have an agent. I wrote it on there. I don't, I need you to figure out how to get this. She never wrote me back. She did tell me what the dude's name was. So I went down there to that dude's office because i just hadn't gotten it and he's in like this it was so like he was in this like big office downtown at like whatever for agents and uh i talked to like the front desk guy i was super polite and he was like oh he's not here right now i was like all right well i'm gonna leave him a message like wrote him that like this lady said you had my money just coming to pick up my checks and Mm -hmm. dude never called me back i called in there like two more times just never got a hold of it and I never got that $400 and that was like ever since then I was like number one don't do extra work number two get an agent because they'll get your money for you and I'm so glad I did because I had another commercial for another beer (laughs) for another country for Bud Light Mexico and we filmed it in Hyde Park and uh, I was supposed to get paid a certain amount and then they came to me with my uh, sign off sheet your talent release or whatever and it said it was a much lower quantity and I was like I'm not going to sign that just yet called my agent told her what was up within like 15 minutes the dude that was passing around came back up scratched it out wrote in like you know two grand because that's what I was when you're in those kind of if you get like a big role and thing it's like pay rate is like scale which is like two grand basically yeah and he's like does this look better and I was like yes it does and I signed it off and that she got me what I was worth what I was supposed to be worth within like 15 minutes. And ever since then, I was like, get an agent, get a badass agent and get an agent that is going to fight for you because they want to get paid. too. What an authentic show business experience. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even, I'm not even in LA. That's great that you're getting opportunities. I actually, I know we got to wrap up soon. What would be your advice for up and coming actors? I mean, first off, it feels weird that I'm even from a barista. What's yeah, from Risa. First <laughs> off, get a good forty-hour week job, and uh, yeah, uh, if if you're an up-and-comer, which don't get me wrong, I still am. Uh, don't. First of all, don't stop, even if it feels shitty. Because a lot of the times, being on a set, even when I've done extra work for like four hundred dollars for the day, was like way more enjoyable than like you know not doing that work because mm-hmm. you still get money. And it, you're still like getting to be on camera and it's still, it's still something. The one best piece of advice I ever heard was from one of my improv coaches who was like a, an actor for a while in LA and stuff. And he was like, work begats work. 
if you're out there and you're doing it, more is going to come. So that's what I try to do. I love that. What yeah. Begats work. And smoke a shitload of weed to pass the time. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter if it's illegal. It's your right as a human to be able to smoke flowers. That's my only PSA I'll ever do. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much for joining us in the studio today. And like, Thank you for having me. Uh, going through all that stuff about your childhood. Yeah, shout out to all it. the real bastards <laughs> who were born of infidelity. Oh. Okay. John Snow over here. You got to be proud of something. <laughs> Tell us how uh, people can connect with you online. Are you on Instagram? Are you a Twitter guy? Oh, or what are you on? Uh, I don't really fuck with Twitter, but it's the same <laughs> handle as my Instagram, uh, old at old hot nuts, O L D H O T N U T S. Uh, yeah, that's it. At old hot nuts. Thanks so much. <laughs> uh, once again, it was Brandon Martin joining us on yeah, extra salty. If you guys enjoyed this, tell your friends, review yeah. us, let them know that you like us. And, uh, thanks so much for listening and hang oh, out. Yeah. By the way, I love the song at the beginning of this show. Oh, thank you. Who well, is it? I found it. It's from uh, a collection of royalty-free audio from somewhere deep in the internet. So <laughs> Man, I they really know. missed out on that one. Dude, that's a good royalty-free song. Isn't it fun? I think it's called like Hip Hop Light or so, something like something that. Like that. <laughs> I'll take it. <clears throat> yeah. Shout out to Hip Hop Light. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's from I think it's from somewhere on like Audio Jungle or something. I but mean, yeah, what is Audio Jungle? It's a big database of like people who've created royalty-free tracks that you can. I don't. That's badass. They literally yeah. sold. They sell their souls for like nine ninety five, and then like we can get it just for subscribing, getting a bunch of emails. Nice gig economy. No, I pay. I pay. I paid for the track. They got their money. Okay. They got their <laughs> money. Should play it on the outro too. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fan. Can we like? Can we cue it up and just like <laughs> one more time? Old hot. It's a special request for old hot nuts. Yeah. Even at, at old hot nuts. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you like, uh, yeah, like we were saying, if you guys like the podcast, thanks so much for listening. Like and subscribe. If you leave us a review on iTunes, it makes it a lot easier for other people to find us. And we do also have a Facebook page where you can keep track of all the updates, including stuff beyond extra salty things going on with our guests and me and Jasmine. So thanks again for listening, guys.